Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. The beginning of the year, there's all this pressure us to say, what, you know, what are we going to do? What's going to be different? What's going to change? How is my life going to look different and be different in 2017 than it was 2016? Uh, One lady had this prayer, Lord, make my bank account fat and my body thin and don't get it mixed up like you did last year. Um, You know, so so be very specific in your prayers. Um, We do welcome you, and I want to thank the band, the worship team, and all the people who decorated. Would you give them a hand and help get all this ready? Uh, we signed the lease on this just about six weeks ago. Uh, the only thing left in this auditorium at that time were the curtains. We had to buy the chairs, build the stage, put in the sound, the lighting, build four new children's classrooms. And so what have we been doing for the last six, six weeks? That's it. Getting ready for you, getting ready for a better year. How many of you know if you want something different to happen in 2017, there's a really good chance that you're going to have to do something different? There really is. I mean... Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, that you, you ought to be who you want to be. You ought to do what you want to do. I think you ought to feel good about your life. Uh, you know, the first year I was uh, studying this morning, looking at the top 10 commonly broken New Year's resolutions. Let me just help you with what those are. And probably list. For effect. Um, anyway, <clears throat> number one, lose weight and get fit. That's the number one resolution everybody has. I hate it because my gym will be filled for a month and then everybody will disappear. I'm grateful for that. Um, It's amazing how many people got Under Armour and Nike for Christmas and it will never feel sweat. One of the second most important things is quit smoking. It's quiet on that one, doesn't it? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I know what you'd be doing, be sneaking outside and all that. It's okay. Smoking won't send you to hell. It just makes you smell like it. Anyway, so, man, I know I'm going to get emails after today. Pastor ain't that neither. Yeah, well, you can't smell yourself. All right, now, number three, you learn something new. That's, that's, and this is, you know, you, it, it really should be do something new, but everybody wants to learn something new. And uh, in order to change the outcome of our lives, uh, number four, eat healthier and diet. It's all a part of lose weight, get fit. Get out of debt and save money. You already blew that. You'll be paying for Christmas for the first quarter. And uh, maybe the next nine months you can get there. All right. Spend more time with family. Some of y'all going, no, they're gone and we're glad. Uh, uh, Travel to new places. That takes saving money. Anyway. Um, be less stressed. Uh, that's a good thing. Be less stressed. I like that. And uh, you're probably sitting next to someone who causes you stress. Anyway, uh, don't elbow them right now. And uh, number, this is really a good one. This is my favorite. Volunteer. How many of you know that we were born to want to help other people? We really were. But selfishness sometimes overtakes that desire. But everybody wants to help people. I think that's innate. It's how God made us. I think it's how God created us. And uh, I think it's something we want to do. But guess what? 
we get busy. We get wrapped up in our own thing, thinking about our own thing. And, um, you know, cheer, I think that, that would be a really high-level is to volunteer. And our children's pastor says amen. Um, and this one's a good one. Drink less. I, I know that none of you in here partake. Anyway, <laughs> they're all at home get, getting over hangover. <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway, so I think I might grab a handheld mic, guys. This one's, is that good? This one's not going to work. You guys are going to go to, and I'm going crazy. So, okay. All right. What about this now? There we go. Let's see if this is going to work. So, yeah, thank you. It's already, you're already so happy. It's like you were going to leave. So anyway, we're talking about this whole month about transitions or change. Change is a very difficult thing uh, to deal with. I mean, just changing from uh, where we were worshiping to where we're worshiping now. Some of you here are testing it out. And I'm sure that since this is Oklahoma City, the drive was about three to five minutes longer than what you wish it was. God, get the violins out. You know, I mean, a church alive is worth the drive, all right? So, you know, it's just that simple. You know, because everybody, it's funny to me how people measure whether what church they're going to go to by the drive, but they don't give a flip about work. And they do that every day, five days a week, and you commute. Some of you drive 40 miles, and you're okay with that five days a week. But God help you if you have to drive an extra two miles to get to the house of God that you want to get to. So anyway, it, it was a shift for us, a change for us, thinking about moving here from north of the Kilpatrick Turnpike. And uh, so today, we're just going gonna, gonna to deal with the topic of change. Turn your Bibles, Proverbs 29, 18, very short passage today. So you won't have to endure much Bible reading in the moment. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. One translation says that without a vision, my people perish. In other words, if you don't have a purpose in life, uh, life is hard to live. Uh, when I was going through all that I've been going through the last two and a half, three years, um, and and you know, it was the longest period of time that I haven't preached since about 1981. And I was spending time with a very, very good friend of mine who is a wealthy businessman in South Texas. I was living down there uh, for about six months, uh, and I was spending some time with him. And, and he's, when I say he's wealthy, I mean he's wealthy. The wealthy call him wealthy. And he's looked at me one night, and, and as I was going through this, and he was kind of helping me through, and I said, man, I, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, I said, you know, I, I've got a few months left to really figure this out, and I was concerned. And he looked at me as serious as I've ever seen him look at me, and I've known him for about 10 to 15 years. And this man has helped everything we've ever done, even though he doesn't live in Oklahoma City. But he looked at me, and he said, Mark, as long as you're my friend, you will never worry about money. Now, that, that felt good for about a second, but then I realized something. A man can get by on very little. As a matter of fact, less than we think. But there's one thing you'll never get by without, and that's living a life of purpose. Life must have purpose for you to get up every day. If you, you have money to feed yourself, let's just say you can do that, but you have no reason to get up, the food doesn't taste good. Life doesn't feel good. Things don't go well. Because we were born to possess purpose. We were born by design. When God created you and you were being formed in your mother's womb, 
destiny was woven into your DNA. God put something in you that was very specific for you to do on this earth. The challenge with this is that throughout our lifetime, we make decisions and mistakes that we think prohibit us from living that destiny. But the Bible makes it very clear in your life and my life that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. The one translation says they're irrevocable. So, you know, our children's pastor has quite a story. Uh, she got pregnant when she was 16 years old, out of wedlock, wasn't going to church, uh, didn't like church, didn't like God, but her mother dragged her to our church. And you know what she did, as most teenagers do, and those of you who have teenagers get this, I'll go, but I'm going in my pajamas. And she would come to church in her pajamas. How many of y'all know, I don't care how you come, just come in something, remember that, Okay. Well, most people took that literally and still do, and I still mean it. Just come as you are. Anyway, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. Long story short, she was a teenager. Gave birth to one of the most beautiful little girls you've ever seen. And every Sunday morning, that little girl would meet me at the front door at two years old and give me a piece of candy. Today, she's 5 feet 11, blonde hair, blue eyed. And she is the daughter of our children's pastor. How many of you know that most 16-year-olds would say, my life is done, it's over. She had a second baby out of wedlock. And now let me tell you something. Her destiny and her call never changed because of those decisions. And God is now fulfilling that in her life. So we cannot excuse ourselves because of past mistakes, because our past mistakes, if we will use them right, become stepping stones to the future and destiny that God put in us. Why doesn't it happen? Without a revelation, without a vision, without seeing, we perish. But the real critical thing here is not that our bodies die, because the Bible says everyone's going to die. I know that encourages you on January 1, 2017. You're feeling it right now. We do so much to protect the carrier, but not what we're carrying. You see, I'm going to die someday. I hope I live long enough to irritate people who don't like me. If that's a purpose or a goal, so be it. But the reality is not this, but what's in here. You see, you and I will stand before Jesus, and we won't give an explanation for why our body died. He knows that's going to happen. But when I stand before Jesus and you stand before Jesus, we are going to give an explanation as to what we did and why we did it or why we didn't do it. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to encourage you and challenge you that don't try to excuse yourself uh, because of past mistakes, your future is still before you, and you don't need to give up because of what you did. You need to go forward with what you're called to do. Without a revelation. In the Hebrew, that word means without a sight mentally. Without being able to see it mentally. There's a reason that people who are going for things put things on the refrigerator and on their mirrors and to remind them to keep the revelation alive. Habakkuk said, write it down. Run with it. What do you want to see happen in 2017 that's different than anything that's ever happened in your life? And I'm going to say this right up front. The goal of life is not to be successful. 
you hear success seminars, and I'm all about, I think it's great to be successful, but success is not the pursuit. Obedience is the pursuit. Success is the byproduct. Our goal in life is not, I'm going to be successful, and I'm going to make millions. I'm going to be successful, and I'm going to do this. The goal in life is one thing, to be willing and obedient to the Lord. Because if we do that, God makes everything else work out. And you know what? Once it's fulfilled and once you start seeing it fulfilled, you will know who did it because all you and I did was obey what God said do. But you have to have a revelation inside you. Some of you heard me tell the story that uh, back in the 80s, I was invited to a, uh, a meeting. There were a hundred of us. It was called Forceful Young Men. And that was back when I fit into that group. And, and so they invited a hundred of us, and Pastor Tommy Barnett from one of the largest churches in America at the time, he was pastoring in, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and he, was, he invited us to come, and he wanted to speak into our lives and our minds and, and really tell us the story of his life uh, and tell us how he had built this great church, not so he could be uh, proud or boastful, but so that he could pass that on to the next generation. And I'll never forget the word that he spoke that night. Some of you have heard me tell the story. I never even had to write it down. He was talking about his father being his hero. And his father was dying. And Tommy went to, to visit his dad, and, and he was distraught because his hero was about to pass into eternity. And he looked at his dad, and his dad looked back at him, and he could see his dad was pondering something very deep and serious in his soul. And he looked at Tommy. And he said, Tommy, I want to tell you what you have to do now that I'm leaving this earth. You need to get your own revelation. You have lived following me, and that's been fine, and you've watched me, and, and you've modeled a lot of your life after me, but God has something specific for you. And you need to get a revelation. You need to get a mental image of what it is God wants for your life. Some of you are simply living out what your parents told you you could live out. I've heard people say it all the time. Nothing, nothing good ever happens in our family. Uh, nobody's ever risen above a certain level in our family. And you've allowed those words to sink into your heart and soul, and you have lived your life and modeled your life after mediocrity. Now, there's nothing wrong categorically with who we are, but spiritually... If God has more than what we, the category that we're in, then we better think about shifting our category. My dad was a great man. I loved him to death. He was a survivor. He grew up in a family of 12 in poverty. He didn't have his first pair of shoes until he was five years old. So in my dad's mind, the whole mentality was survive. 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 I learned how to survive. And then one day, I went to Old Roberts University, I became a student, and I spent time around an atmosphere of people that were taught to thrive. Think outside your city, think outside your state, think outside your continent, and begin to think about the nations of the earth. That was foreign to me because I'd never been out of America in my early 20s. And now all of a sudden, I began seeing nations that I didn't even know existed. I began hearing stories that intrigued me and inspired me and, and began to do something in me. And then I get this revelation that God had called me to something different than what my family was familiar with. Now, this may not be your exact story, but let me say this to you. 
Your mama and your daddy are not going to stand before God and give a reply for how you lived your life. Each one of us is going to stand there. And we have to have enough tenacity and enough strength and enough drive and enough purpose to say, come hell or high water, I will not deviate from the plan and call of God. Sound like we're on a golf course. I tried this two and a half years ago. I tried two years ago to run from this. To not ever preach again. I was pretty dadgum happy not having to hear from God every week. Getting up. See, people say, how do you prepare your sermons? I literally sit down in my prayer chair and say, God, I need your help. What do you want the people to hear this week? And God help me if I ever thought about coming back to Oklahoma City. Can I get more specific? War acres? Seriously, Jesus? This is not a funny joke. I did not ask to come back here, and I certainly didn't pray to come back to War Acres. God help us all. You know, because anytime you begin to step into the purposes of God, you will be criticized, ridiculed, and talked about. Come on, somebody. And you know, when I think about the rebuilding of the walls and Nehemiah and Ezra and that group, and then they're rebuilding the walls to bring glory to God, Jerusalem was dilapidated, it had been torn down and destroyed. Nehemiah is crying out, his heart's broken, and he goes and starts rebuilding the wall. And guess who comes along? Samballat and Tobiah. They come and they start talking to the workers, trying to influence them to quit following Nehemiah. Uh, this is just a joke that y'all are rebuilding this, these walls. Even if a fox ran on them, they would collapse. You see, sometimes you're not going to have cheerleaders everywhere and people going, sure, you can do it. Let me tell you why. Because you raise the bar in their eyes and in their face and you put a demand on their destiny because you're building yours. So I, here I am. Here I am. January 1st, 2017. Oh, God. Three miles from the church I built. Come on, Jesus. And trust me, I didn't pray for this. I didn't. I just want all of you to know, go tell everybody who criticizing the bishop. He didn't want to come back here. But I'm glad we got the Boar Acres Police Force on our team. We got them in church here. I like them. I promise I won't drive too fast in your city. There are some questions you need to ask as we get this started. Who am I? Not me, you. Ask yourself, who am I? Do you really know who you are? Do you really, you know, are, are you going to say, well, I'm the son of and name your parents. I'm the daughter of and name your parents. You know, there, there's truth to that. But who are you individually? Do you know who God made you and why God put you in Oklahoma City and that you drove to war acres do you know why thank you i got an amen to my right anyway so you know why you're here you know who you are that's the first question who am i because god made you with a distinct fingerprint that nobody else on earth has you're so unique and yet in our thinking 
we become the son of or the nephew of or the aunt of or the uncle of or the father of or the mother of. And we begin to define ourselves not by who God made us, but by the role that we're playing on earth. You don't define yourself by what you do. You define yourself by who you are in him. The definition of your life is not the excellence of your life, but the submission of your life to an almighty God. That's who you are. You see, this is not about success. This is about simple obedience because in Isaiah 119, it says the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. It doesn't say the successful and the perfect. It says the willing and obedient. What are you willing to do? When I had to come back to this city and explain my situation and face a bunch of people, as a matter of fact, at the first church service, I looked at everybody and I said, I feel like I'm at a NASCAR race. Some of y'all here to see a crash and some of y'all here to get and join in the race. Well, we didn't crash. Who am I? Ask yourself the question. Who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Not who does somebody else want me to be? Some of you have measured your future by your ACT score, your SAT score. You've measured it by your given IQ. Let me just tell you something. Your adversity quotient will always mean more than your intelligence quotient. There are a lot of people today that fought through their lack of intelligence to get what they have today. God makes it possible. All things are possible. We just quit prematurely. We just quit prematurely. We just stop. We get discouraged. Somebody criticizes us. Somebody says a lie about us. Listen, man. You and, you and I have an experience. Until they crucify me, pray that doesn't happen, but until they do, I can't stand before Jesus and say a word. They crucified the Son of God. He hung there. He submitted himself to crucifixion. He himself said, I could call thousands of angels to rescue me, but he didn't. Why? He acted obediently, which created success, not just for him, but for all of us. Model purpose, model destiny, model obedience. You will always be talked about if you're going to do something for God. You will always be challenged. But let me tell you this. They're really not talking about you. People who are trying to hurt you hurt themselves. They're just responding out of their own hurt. People who lie about you are living a lie themselves. They don't want to know the truth. And so what you and I have to do is stay very focused. Who am I every day? Who am I? I am the child of the Most High God. I am the apple of His eye. I am created in His image and His likeness. I will one day be caught up to go to heaven with Him. I am that person. Instead, we say, I am a failure. I'm a person who will never succeed. I am, I am. And we start going at the I am's. What you need to realize is the great I am wants to be your I am. And that you and I can do anything through him. There's nothing impossible with God. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We have to start talking to ourselves differently if we hope to see different results.
I get up every day and I sit in that prayer chair and I talk to myself. And some of y'all think he's crazy. No, I am brilliant. You've been letting everybody else talk to you. It's time for you to talk to you. And you look in the mirror and say, mm, when you made that, mm, Jesus. Oh, mm. You'll change the way you look at things. Don't ponder and meditate on the things you're not. Ponder and meditate on the things that you are and were created to be. And don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't give out. Don't give in. Don't let someone talk you out of what Jesus died you into. Who do you want to be? So, well, you know, I've always had this dream. Good. That's what we want. Start dreaming. Now, this is the big question. Who do people want me to be? Because this is the one we usually live by. Who do people want me to be? You see, this is a different church. And the last one was different. This isn't really different. I'm telling you, this one's so different. People will just come to wonder what's going on. But, you know, sometimes I think different's good. I think a lot of times different's good. You know, Jesus is not coming back. For a play church. He's coming back for the church. There may be times I say things from this stage. That even I'm surprised by. Please just go. It's just our church. In our church. We hail us. Not a cuss word. It's a location. And. Uh, sometimes. Anyway. So. You got to understand, see, the, the things that shock us, the world sees. When we get shocked, we'll never win the world if we're shocked by how the world thinks, talks, and lives. We'll never win them. We can't be shocked. We've got to identify. You can't judge people. You can't judge people, please. There's not one person in here any better than anybody else. And every one of you today will sin. You're going to leave here and you're just going to sin big. You sin by saying, no, you're not, because that's a lie. Now, because we really don't understand that we've, we've created these categorical sins that we've been told throughout the ages are sin. Let me tell you what greater sin is. Is to not love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbors yourself. To talk about people behind their back is a huge sin. law. We don't talk about that. It's okay. But don't you dare play cards or pool. That was my generation. Because there was one queen who she's just dirty, I think. I don't know which one she is. And I could tell you right now, most of you could answer the question, who do others want me to be, more than you could answer the question, who do I want to be? I want to challenge you as you look ahead at 2017, ask yourself the question every day, who am I? And come up with a really good answer. You can go to the Bible and you can find great answers about who you are and who God made you to be. Too many times we can tell everybody who we're not and we can certainly tell everybody who mom and daddy wanted us to be and 
who our teacher wanted us to be and what our neighbor wanted us to be and what everybody else wanted us to be. But in, in order to enjoy the life that you have been given, you have to live the life that you have been given by God, not by others. Then the question is, who does God want me to be? You know, I'm standing up here today because this is who God wants me to be. This is what God wants me to do. I promise you this is what God wants me to do because right now I'd be in the Bahamas. If I had my way, trust me. Now, I have to understand, I love you, I love this city, and I love preaching the good news. I do. But I have to remind myself, this is who I am, which trumps everything else I want to do. This is who I am. And in doing who I am and, and, and honoring who I am, I find incredible joy in it. See, sometimes we don't think we like the thing that God called us to do because the most demonic thing in the world, the devil wants to tease us and make us believe that we couldn't possibly find joy in doing that which God called us to do. Now, here's the, here are the questions I'm going to ask and leave you with. What do I want? Ask yourself the question, what do I want? You ask that question, what do I want in 2017? I can't answer that for you, but it's a question as you look ahead, and I pray that each one of you do look ahead. Ask yourself the question, what do I want? Secondly, how bad do I want it? How bad do I want it? I look at people that have changed the way they look so drastically that they don't even look like themselves because that's what they wanted to do, and they paid a price for it, Chaz. Paid a price. I watch you on Social media, girl, proud of you. You will always be a poster child for people, in my opinion, that say, I will change. And you did. It's a beautiful thing to watch when somebody has that kind of tenacity and commitment and says, this is who I am, that's who I've been. And you say, well, does it make her less a person or a better person? No, what it makes her is she found out who she wanted to be and she said, I'm going to be it. It doesn't come easy. It didn't come easy for you to get out of bed. Well, it should have. I mean, it's 11 o'clock service. Come on, somebody. But, you know, some of you showed up today, and this is your New Year's resolution, is I'm going to go to the house of God. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be a follower of Christ. I'm going to volunteer. Proud of you today. How bad do you want it? Because I promise you the church models the gym, or the gym models the church. January, everybody's going to get fit. February, they're gone. Church, everybody's going to worship Jesus, lift my hands. Oh, I'm busy. Springtime's going to be beautiful. Think of the summer. I'm going to the lake. Lakes are filthy. Germ-infested. I get diseases. I'm preparing you now. What am I willing to do outside of sin to accomplish it? What am I willing to do outside of sin to accomplish what, what I want to be and what I want to do? What am I willing to do? You know, when we were at Noah's, we were just praying, God, every Sunday just that things would work. The last six weeks there, we didn't have a projector. I mean, it's just funny how you used to look and shake your head and go, I wouldn't come to this church and I'm the pastor. There's just days on it. God, this is really a miracle church. People actually show up. And and we don't have the words. We don't know what the words are. And we're all just singing watermelon, watermelon. Watermelon, Jesus, watermelon. 
making up words. I was. I was. Y'all thought I was worshiping. I didn't know what the words were either. It's amazing how much fun you can have when something stupid happens. You know what I'm saying? But here we are up there paying 4100 a month to rent it. We got people coming and going, trying us out, skipping in, skipping out, freaking out, and everything else. And, and all of a sudden, we, we come to this, uh, get this opportunity. We were not looking for it, didn't want to come here. And, and it comes to us. 2,500 letters have been out, sent out to churches in Dallas. Uh, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, not one response from the friend of mine who owns Incredible Pizza. And uh, so we get asked if we want the building. We weren't looking for it. Rick calls me. Pastor Rick calls and says, look, keep an open mind. He knew I, this was not going to work for me. I'll go to Battle Creek, but not War Acres. All right? So I'm just telling you right now. And so he calls to keep an open mind. So what is it? And he said, well, this building's available. And I'm like, all right, you talk to him. First off, the lease on is 15000 a month. We're paying 4100 a month. And let me just tell you all something. You're going to have to step it up. <laughs> I need some help up in here. All right. Now, so uh, so we, we do that. So I'm sitting down with the owner. Some of you heard me tell this story, but most of you didn't because you weren't there because, you know, it was an old year and now it's a new year. So here you are. I'm going to get you while I got you in January. I'm going to unload on you. Okay. So, so you, you know, so he, he. The owner looks at me and he says, of incredible pieces, look, we really want you to move in here. I said, I bet you do because 15 grand a month. And I, he said, well, go away and pray and raise the money. I said, you go away and pray. I did. I looked at his wife and said, right there. I said, you need to pray. You're a Christian. You pray. I ain't praying. I'm going to leave that to you. I'm preaching. You pray, I preach. He came back and said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you $6,000 a month if you'll rent it. I thought, well. Now we're down to $5,000 that we need every month. So, you know, enjoy it while we've got it. Um, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just, just kidding. Took faith. Why? Because our want to was huge. Joel Osteen's daddy called me right after we started the first church here. And he spent about 45 minutes on the phone with me, and he, he just encouraged me. And he, he said, uh, you know, he, he said, son... He said, if you'll do three things, you can build a great church. He said, minister to the Lord in worship, minister to people in prayer, and minister to the Word of God. I've lived my life by those three things, and now he's in heaven. Just, just this is what we're about. We're not complicated, but we are going to minister to the Lord in worship, and that's what we're going to do every Sunday. We're going to minister to you in prayer. That's why we had prayer partners, and we're going to minister to the Word of God. It's not really complicated. Christianity is not complicated. We've complicated it by a list of rules and regulations. I don't care how you come here, just come. If you come hungover, we'll have coffee for you every morning. And you can come drunk as long as you want to come. And then when you get sober, we're going to love you the same way we did when you were drunk. And let me just promise you, I know this doesn't fit. Some of you may walk out and say, okay, if they come drunk, yes, it is. And you just come however you want to come because I believe that's Christianity at its finest. And you know what? We're not going to change how we love you when you get on the right side of the cross. Because you're still going to be jacked up from the neck up. Getting your mind right and having to fight. That's what you're going to have to do. It's what we do all the time. It's what we do. And we start measuring people by how they act and how they respond and how they live. We're not called to measure or judge anybody. We're called to love everybody. We're called to encourage one another. We're called to believe in one another. We're called to speak to the I am in each other. Will I be happy doing it? 
what will it cost me? Now, let me just tell you right now, it will cost you three things, time, energy, and money. When you pray about what's going to happen, time, because only 24 hours in a day, energy, because you're going to have to sleep eight hours, or you should, and money. And God knows that's always an issue in our world, whether you have it or don't have it. Now, let's talk about time for a minute. Don't talk to me about your drive, or I'm going to get violins out. Well, I live, in, I live in North Edmond. You know, dude, in Oklahoma City is laughable. 20.7 minutes. Oh, God. We sit on freeways in L.A. for an hour and a half each way. And on Sunday, let me tell you, I drove this this morning from my driveway to my parking spot. And I live near North Edmond. Come on, Jesus. I don't know how many of you live there because some of you are so thrilled we came back over this way. But let me tell you, those of you that live in North Edmond and you're giving us a try, stop, please. Took me 15 minutes driving almost the speed limit. I'm just being honest, you know what I'm saying? I ain't ever going to drive the speed limit. I just got to tell you, and Jesus forgives me every time I get in a car. And I know some of y'all don't like that. I just can't. I just think, I think 45 anywhere is stupid. We got six lanes and we're driving 65. We ought to be going 80. We should. I mean, to me, if I'm going to crash, I'd just soon get it over with right there. You know, I don't want to get fixed. I just want to go right to heaven. I like, and going fast, there's a greater chance of that. That's the way I live and believe. And y'all need, let me tell y'all something. The left lane is called a passing lane. Get that in your head. If you're going to drive slow, drive in the far right lane and deal with it. All right. Now. That's the way I feel about it. I know I'm going to get letters about pastor. I think you ought to. You know what? Take care of you. I don't need you to take care of me. I'm good. This is who I am. This is who I am. I drive fast. And we get to heaven, y'all going to get bicycles, all you slow drivers. rest of us get Maseratis. <laughs> Jesus said, y'all didn't practice on earth. So you ain't ready. Here's your moped. All right, so. And, you know, when you're tired, you're not good. When you're tired, so you need to get energy. So how bad do you want it? Rest well. And then, you know what? Budget. Bring the first of your tithe into the storehouse. Let me tell you, it changes things, folks. Churches don't want your money. Credit cards want your money. God wants, doesn't even want your money. What God wants is your obedience. That's all God wants. I mean, granted, I mean, I know. We're trusting God every week. We're just having fun. And, and, you know, I, I've, got, I've got a backup plan, it, and it, it's on a beach. My plan B is on a beach. Plan B each. <laughs> That's it for me. But I'm going to stay here and be tenacious, and we're going to see things happen here, folks, that are going, that's going to shake the nations of the earth because God is going to be glorified in showing himself as a redeemer, a restorer. He is going to show himself as one who loves people. Get happy. Some of your wives will be glad when you do. Get happy. Live happy. Why wouldn't I do it? Ask that question. Why wouldn't I? And you're going to give about, well, you know, I'm older. I'm dead. You know, I, I, you can't use those excuses. I mean, when you look at Abraham and Sarah, I'm too old. I have a child. You know, you know what, God? Okay. 
What if you just said, okay, God, there's not going to be one excuse that's going to keep me from your will and your purpose. And then lastly, who or what is stopping me? And we'll close with this. I got up this morning. I keep a lot of notes from prophecies. This was 10-4-1995. Seems like a millennium ago, doesn't it? I was 22. I appreciate you all missing that. I really do. That went right over your head. Ricocheted off the back wall and you finally got it. I would say unto you, I have not called you to go over your head. Ricocheted off the back wall and you finally got it. And then you can take. So Lord, let it be today that this church, Mosaic Church, OKC, as we inaugurate this facility today and and Lord as we step into this new place Lord we speak to the far corners of the earth to the north south east and west and we say come forth harvest of God all that you've ordained to be in this house God we are waiting we're preparing we're readying ourselves and we are believing for the greatest outpouring of your spirit that we've ever experienced Lord, we're not here out of resistance or vengeance. We're here simply out of obedience and believing that you will do something so supernatural, God, that it would be felt around the world for your glory. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there are those of you here that say, I have not known who I was, and you never will until you step into salvation. Until you give Jesus your life, you will never know the blueprint for your life because he holds for you the blueprint for your life and until you say God I want that blueprint I, I, I give up my blueprint I want your blueprint God will let you live your life the way you want to live your life and he will still love you the problem is you may not love you and you may not love life the way we fall in love with life is to fall in love with the blueprint of God and I promise you there's no better place to be than in his presence the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. Today, you're collectively in the presence of God, but when you walk out of here, you'll go home, you'll be by yourself. The question is, will then you be in the presence of God? doesn't mean that God won't be right there with you, but will you be right there with him? And the way we do that is to repent. The Bible says repent so that times of refreshing might come. It's time for you to be refreshed and prepared for 2017. So if you've not made that decision, that'll be the biggest decision of your life, and you can make it right now. Those of you watching online and those of you here in this house, if you'd say, I've never, I've never made the decision to say yes to Jesus, but I want to today. I want to ask you right now with heads bowed and eyes closed to lift your hands up right now and say, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others? Pray for me. I want to make that decision today. Yes, thank you. Are there others online right now watching? If you make that decision, just lift your hand in your apartment, your bedroom, wherever you are right now, your living room, and just lift it to heaven. I can't see it, but God sees it. I want us all today that I'm a sinner and I need salvation. And so, Lord, today I repent of my sin. I surrender my life to you. I submit my destiny to you. In Jesus' name.